Huh. Anyway, I'm talking about... <laughs> not sure what's going on here. Um, when We're talking about waiting. Um, that's what Advent is about. We're in this season of waiting. Um, but we're not waiting for Christmas, although we are. Um, we're waiting for the return of Christ. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. And um, and it's a time when we do that and when we think about that and when that and when we're invited to do that, this this waiting and waiting and waiting. And um when I was a kid, um I wanted a slot car a racetrack set, much like this. So all you ignored children that I didn't fill out a paper for you, this is what we had when I was a kid, okay? Is that, is that cooler than, is that, is that cooler than whatever you guys have? What's the, what's the latest thing that you just really want? There you go. A pet rock, okay. (laughs) And this is why you don't get papers, okay? Slot cars were amazing toys. Um, they were fabulous. They were the coolest thing ever. Um, you put the slot in this little slot in the racetrack, and then you could race your car, and you could do cool things to make it, you know, you could oil your car and make it go faster, and, and, and you could go sliding around the corner where the back end of the car would go flying around the corner, and, and, and you could trade cars and... Um, if you were smart, you could rebuild them. Unless you were like me, then when that would not work. Uh, there were whole stores dedicated to slot car racing, and they had elaborate tracks like that. And you could race them against your friends. And almost every kid I knew, every single kid I knew, had a slot car or several slot cars and had slot car racetracks in their homes. Even Dennis, who lived behind us, and they were poorer than us, even he had a race car um, set, a whole slot car set. But we were relatively poor, and Dad and Mom saw no need for us, or for me particularly, to have a slot car race set. So um, so I just kind of hoped for one. I just hoped that there would be a miracle, that somehow I would get one, and it would be awesome. And... And um, and I wished really hard that I could have one. And then, like all fads, pet rocks included, um, it kind of just went away after a while. And then nobody had slot cars. And I forgot about it. I, I kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I just missed out on that cool thing, right? All fads pass away and... And I forgot that one. But, but really, I didn't. I didn't forget about it. I didn't forget about it because um, all the things, I, I had missed out on something. I, it was a symbol for the things that I missed out on in life. Things that I longed for and wanted and hoped for that just simply never came true. And, and that was hard. Like It, was, it, it just kind of stuck there in the back of my head. Years later, when I was in my 30s, and I had sons of my own, 
I happened to mention at some family gathering about having sort of missed out on the whole slot car racing fad, that that was not a thing that I got to participate in. We were talking about whatever the current fad was then. Maybe Pet Rocks. Um, and and it was just kind of sad to to realize that I had missed out on that. And that Christmas, I opened a package from my mother-in-law, and in this package was this beautiful slot car race set. You know, I was like 38 years old. (laughs) But I got a slot car racetrack and cool slot cars. And I set it up out on the screen porch and Derek and Justin and I spent many, many happy hours racing cars. See, I I had to wait for my longing to finally be met, like 30-some years And then it came true. I hate waiting. Waiting sucks the life out of me. I hate waiting in line, waiting for traffic lights, waiting for what I want, waiting for a slot car race set, waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, there's that. My my mom used to say, just wait until your father gets home. Yeah, see, you can tell. It's odd because she didn't do much of the punish. I mean, she did all the punishment. Dad, Dad rarely punished us. I, Dad would just kind of give you the deeply disappointed look. Oh, see, yeah, oh, that deeply disappointed look. Um, that was actually far more devastating than a spanking or having to do my brother's chores for a week or whatever other thing. Um, waiting was painful. Waiting was actually harder sometimes than the actual thing, the punishment or whatever was going to happen. It was painful, and I, I just wanted things to be over. And I think that's the kind of waiting, uh, the, the kind of thing that we think of when we think about waiting. Fearful waiting or impatient waiting or hopeless waiting. None of us are really good at waiting. Waiting requires a, a certain kind of patience, and, and patience is not necessarily an attribute that we aspire to. I always tell people, don't bother to ask God for patience, because I know how he gives it. Right? Don't bother asking. And besides that, he's going to give it to you anyway. That's what he does. It's a gift that he's going to give you. The biblical word for this waiting or this this concept is long-suffering, which is the most descriptive thing I've ever read. Long-suffering is what it's like to wait for God, to be long-suffering over a long period of time, not just 30 years for a slot car race set, but, but through our whole lives we wait and wait and wait. And we think it's us waiting on God, and that's what it's really all about. But the truth, of course, is that God is long-suffering toward us. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on you. Second Peter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. 
With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And then these words, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you hear what he's saying? He's patient with you. He's not patient with all those people out there who don't know Jesus. He's patient with you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting on your righteousness. He's waiting on you to follow him, to pursue him, to care about the things that he cares about, to love him, to honor him. He's waiting on you. He doesn't come back right away because he's waiting on us. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants you to come to repentance. He wants all of us to do that. Simeon has been waiting. He's been waiting for the Messiah, promised many generations before. Notice that his waiting isn't marked by anger or frustration in the passage that we read earlier. He he doesn't pout or complain. He, He doesn't doubt or stop believing. He waits. Waits patiently. But but that waiting is marked by two things. One is righteousness and the other is devotion. <coughs> Excuse me. Righteousness and devotion. This long period of waiting is is him um living a righteous life and being uh, and and experiencing devotion to God. Righteousness is living life in a way that honors God's law. It's a life marked by love and not duty. Simeon is a good man, a a very religious man, a righteous man. He accepts God's righteousness as his own. Don't think that he has some kind of special insight or something that's not available to us. The acceptance um, of, of God's righteousness as his own is rooted in the goodness of God. He chooses to believe and to live out of his beliefs. And then devotion has to do with intentionality and intensity. Simeon is is devoted to God. There's an intentionality about that. It's not just God happens to me, God stuff happens to me. I have this momentary experience of God. It's a pursuit of God. There's intentionality. And there's some intensity involved. There's passion involved. Simeon is rooted in righteousness and devotion as a response to this idea of waiting. Is, Is that what categorizes our waiting? Or are we just impatient? We gotta get what we gotta get. Jesus waited. And Jesus' righteousness and his devotion to God is, is, is to complete the work that God has laid out for him to do. John 4 verse 34 says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. The Messiah comes to complete God's work. That's why he comes. And he has come. 
And now he leaves us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to guide us into all truth, to guide us into righteousness, to guide us into devotion. One of the outcomes of living righteously and being devoted to God is to grow in a sensitivity to the Spirit, to the Spirit of God. Simeon, according to the passage, is in tune with the Spirit. He's aware of what the Spirit is saying and doing. The Spirit comes in us, all of us, when we give our lives to Christ. The Spirit comes in us. It's a beautiful teaching where where God doesn't just leave us out there to kind of fend for ourselves. He, He sends His Spirit in us. Matter of fact, He sends His Spirit in us because without His Spirit, we can't even begin to follow Him. He brings us to life. The Spirit comes in us to work the fruit of righteousness in us. We become more and more filled with spiritual fruit. Spirit guides us. That's, uh, that's the misguidance counselor, um, so you probably don't want to follow the misguidance counselor. Um, The Spirit guides us into truth. The Spirit guides us into good things. The Spirit guides us into life, not into, "Eh, it's over for you. (laughs) And to do that, he fills us with the the fruit of the Spirit. According to Galatians 5, 22 through 4, 24 is, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. One of the ways to check your own devotion and to look at your righteousness is to look deep into yourself. Are, Are you growing more loving, more kind, more gentle? more forbearing? Are you filled with joy and peace? Are you more faithful, more self-controlled? These measures are available to all of us. See, when you grab hold of the gospel, it is because God has filled you with his spirit. We were dead in our sins, the Bible tells us. We're dead in our sins. I mean dead, like Tag on the toe, dead. You're dead in your sin. You cannot. You're incapable of coming to God. But then he ignites his spirit in us, sends his spirit in us, fills us with his spirit, breathes life into us. And as we are being trained in righteousness and remain devoted to him and his ways, we become more and more like Jesus. We're sinners, of course. (laughs) We mess it up all the time. But the Spirit is in us, guiding us, calling to us, showing us, teaching us, comforting us. The Spirit can... Spirit can and does also come on us, not just in us, but on us. There's a key difference. The Spirit in us is working this fruit. The Spirit on us comes on us. The Spirit came on, on Simeon and, 
and it reveals truth to him. Simeon can't possibly know that this is the Messiah that Mary's holding unless the Spirit reveals it to him. Being attuned to the Spirit is something that is available to us. Having the Spirit come on us. I, whenever someone says, I heard from God, I always ask, how did that happen? <laughs> how do you know? How do you know? How do you hear from the Spirit? I think one of the ways that we hear from the Spirit is, is that we invite Him to interfere in our lives, to mess around in our lives. I remember sitting in a hotel room in Denver, Colorado, um, and, and saying, God, uh, Spirit, come on me in power to do that which I cannot do. I invited the Spirit to simply come in and interfere with my life. And boy, did he. Right? So you invite him in. It's a simple prayer. You don't have to be in a magical place. You don't have to have soft music or any of that kind of like. You just say, Spirit of God, come in me. Interfere with my life. And then seek his guidance. Spirit, Show me what I should do. Teach me your ways. And then third, you, you submit to his wisdom. And, and you trust his truth. Simeon is empowered by the Spirit. And, and because of that, he can wait for the Messiah. He submits to the guidance of the Spirit, even though it's difficult to imagine that he would be permitted to not die until the Messiah appeared. He's waiting for the Messiah. We're waiting for his return. The Spirit in us, working the fruit of righteousness, we can invite the Spirit to come on us, to show us how to wait, to teach us, to reveal the things that we need to have revealed to us. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation when we think of the word consolation, we, or at least I do, I, I think of the word consolation, the consolation prize, you know. It's the prize you get when you're a loser, you know. Like, you didn't win. Oh, here's a consolation prize. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, kind of a participation ribbon. Um, it's like, oh, okay, we all participated, but somebody got a red ribbon and somebody got a blue ribbon and somebody got a gold ribbon. But I got a nice yellow ribbon, um, you know, so I'm consoled. That makes me feel better about myself. No, it doesn't really. Um, we're waiting for this consolation. Um, Jesus is not a participation ribbon. Jesus is the consolation of Israel. Yeah, I, I, I want, I'm not trying for happiness, but it's, it's any consolation, right? That's kind of what we are. That's not what this is about. The consolation of Israel is Jesus. The consolation of Israel is the Messiah. It's to console us 
the consolation, this type of consoling is what we do when we go visit somebody who's in pain and suffering and struggle, somebody who's lost a loved one. We go to them and we try to console them. And have you noticed how we rarely have any words to use? Have you noticed how hard it is when you try to console someone who's in pain? Like, you can't say, well, I've been there and done that. I, I made it through. Eh, that doesn't help. <laughs> um, you, you can go to them and say, oh, I... I I, uh, I'm just sad for you, and and uh, some of us we we say awful things when people are suffering. I do, but the consolation of Israel is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, coming to console us from our sin, to take us from our sin, to allow us to console us with an opportunity, the time, the, the ability to go back to God, to create relationship with him. And so he sends the consolation of Israel. He sends the consolation of the whole world. God does. He sends Jesus. John fourteen sixteen to 18 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The consolation of Israel, Jesus himself is with us. He's here in this room. His spirit is here in this room all around us. That's what the scripture says. He's all around us. The spirit is here now speaking to us. The spirit is here now not leaving us alone. The spirit is in here inside you working the fruit of righteousness, guiding you, teaching you. The Spirit has come on many of us in unique ways to empower us to do what needs to be done. We are consoled not because things aren't tough. They are. God knows that. Our sin destroyed things, messed things up, made it hard, made suffering real. But God didn't leave us alone. He's here with us. He's been revealed to us. The Messiah comes as a revelation. A revelation of God's plan and his purpose. A revelation that provides life to Jew and Gentile alike. A a revelation that brings hope, a future. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But, but I can wait. Light and life is found in Jesus and, and our darkness is revealed. But it's a revelation that brings hope, but it also brings division. The truth will be revealed. But, but the truth of who Jesus is forces us to do some choosing as well. For Simon or for Simeon, the, the truth is clear. Uh, this is the Messiah. This is the consolation. And in the light of that reality, Simeon is grateful and ready to die. 
dying is not a big deal for him. He kind of is looking forward to it. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Death is no longer terrifying for him. He's not, no longer anxious. He knows God's goodness. He's holding it in his arms. What has been revealed to Simeon is made known to us. The truth, which sounds very different in this upside-down world in which we live. The truth that the world offers is you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to be a good person and you've got to get it right and, and all those things. What if I were to tell you that's all upside-down and wrong? As we wait for Christ's return, we can enjoy what Simeon enjoyed. We can live lives of righteousness and devotion. We can enjoy the Spirit's presence. We can be comforted and consoled. We can live out the fruit of the Spirit and know the pleasure that the kind of living that God invites us into, what that, that kind of living brings. We can wait with confidence. We can live in anticipation Really, no longer how long it takes, right? It's been a couple thousand years now. Or more if uh, one of our kids was correct this morning. We can't do this by our own work and by our own effort. The gospel is it's done for you. We do this, we wait in anticipation we wait with joy. We wait with hope because of the work of that little baby that Simeon held in his arms. Any questions, pushbacks, thoughts, ideas? I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, um, particularly in my childhood. Christmas was <clears throat> very much about waiting, but it was just about the Legos that I was going to get. Sure. And <clears throat> I didn't really care about family. I didn't, you know, the, the whole nativity story was really just a thing we had to do before we could open presents. And, um, I mean, I don't think... Jesus is inviting me to just feel guilty about that. But I don't know what to I don't know what to do with that. Is that something that I just need to say, you know what? I need to th throw that out and and look towards, you know, what I'm actually waiting for. I don't know how to transform that into into Jesus's story. And I think we do wait. We have longings, right? A longing to be healed, a longing to be free of sin, a longing f to have good things. Um good wife, uh, children, um, joyful things, uh, a new car, whatever. There's, they're not inherently wrong, right? There, there's nothing wrong with that. God pours out blessings on his kids. He loves us. 
um, and gives us good things. I think it is realizing that that's not where the fruit is found, right? It's not found in acquiring because I'm pretty sure if you got Legos one year, you wanted whatever the latest hit was the next year as well, right? So, so those I needed those, them. Those, exactly a pet rock, perhaps. Um, <laughs> the longing never goes away, right? Um, those longings are never sated or they're they're never satisfied. But this longing for Christ to return is and will be. Anyone else? Kelsey over here. Oh, sorry. My question is just a quick question. How old was Jesus when he met Simeon? I do not know. I, th- I think, yeah. Yes, uh, apparently eight or less. <laughs> exactly, yes. So um, you were saying how long-suffering is kind of one of the words that the Bible uses for, you know, waiting. Um, another one that I particularly have found a lot of meaning in as I have waited for a variety of things Um is perseverance, um, which is to, um, you know, steadfastly continue in spite of delay. And, um, you know, whenever I sort of come up against a roadblock, that's something that um, I sort of go back to is, you know, what's God asking from me right now? Well, the Bible says perseverance, um, you know, to continue to believe in spite of the fact that it's not happening right now. Um, I just thought of that when you were talking. And we have to fight for that, right? right I mean, that, right. That's, it's easy to succumb to bitterness or anger or why not now or what have you got against me? Make it about that instead of... But I think there is that tie-in to Jesus is waiting for us. You yeah. know? So uh, he's waiting for us to go deeper into righteousness and devotion to him. Well, and certainly he steadfastly continues with us in spite of our there struggles against him. So. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Get Marcus exercise. I was just um, reflecting this week or perhaps heard this week about how the Jews prior to the Messiah's coming waited for, well, the number I heard was 400 years Um from when they received a promise to when it was fulfilled. Um, and I could just imagine growing hopelessly weary and like the dream's never going to happen where generations have passed and passed and passed and nothing. And why not give up on this idea? And I feel like there's a sense that I could be susceptible to that with Jesus second coming. Like, okay, Maybe I'm going to have children and have grandchildren, and he's still not going to come back. And then hundreds of years could pass by, and like the dream is gone, or the the vision is fading. And I wonder how you might encourage us to stay encouraged in the face of long years without um, the coming of a Savior. Well, first, the Savior does come for you, right? 
the day you die, you walk into the presence of Jesus. So the Savior is coming for you. Um, and he's coming for me and coming for everybody in this room. Like, he is coming. Whether he returns in that glorious, wonderful way that we imagine will happen, that day also comes. <clears throat> but but Jesus will come for us, right? And And he's created that way for us. But I think it is following in Simeon's way. Work on righteousness, work on devotion, work on uh, accepting the Spirit. Like, that is the, the way in which. But, but you're right. I mean, that's the whole point of this, I mean, of me talking about this, uh, this message is, is, yeah, it's been 2,000 years. No Jesus yet. Okay. And um, Peter talks a lot about that. And he says, you know, scoffers will say, <laughs> what are you waiting for? It's, it's silly. But he says, but he also promises it will happen, you know, and so the day will come. So just like the day will come, thousands of years, I mean, back in Genesis, a, a, a way is promised, and 8,000 years later it happens, right? So. All right, I think we're, I just got the, so... Let's close in prayer. Father, um, thank you that Jesus has come and is coming. Help us to live into that reality every day with anticipation and joy and hope. Take away our discouragement, our frustration, our disbelief, Help us to pursue you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.